When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. And we're back to Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hello, Joshua. Good evening. Good evening. <laughs> is that water treating you well? This is the yes. I am yes. drinking this lovely cocktail of hydrogen and oxygen. Yes, delicious, delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I've slaked my thirst. Ah, yes, your hunger. My hunger. <laughs> ah, the hunger. Yes, the hunger, the hunger. But we'll get to that. So, uh, how have you been? What's been going on? What's happening? Oh, you know, things are good. Things yeah. are good, Joshua. Wonderful. Yeah. As the listeners listen to this, I am on vacation. Oh, that's yes. right. This You're... is a voice from the past speaking about the future. That's true. <laughs> <You're> gonna... <laughs> You'll be in Guam. I'll be in Guam. I'll be in my homeland. Your homeland. Yes. I like it. You're going to be gone a while, so we're going to miss you, Joe. I know. Whatever will we do? I don't know. I mean, I'll be that much closer to nuclear apocalypse, so, you know. Mm. Wow, really? (laughs) That brought brought it down. We lost lost everyone. (laughs) We lost them all. Uh, That's too funny. Um, um, uh, Nuclear apocalypse, I mean. Yes. It's hysterical. It's hysterical, you know. Um, Yes, I'm very excited. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm excited for you too. I think it sounds like it's gonna be really fun. I'm looking forward to you coming back and telling us about it. You know, you're gonna watch some horror movies while you're there with the cousins or um, I don't who know. lives there. Uh, but, cousins, like, yeah. my um, the ring cousins, the ring cousins. Some okay. of them, um, they all have kids now, so I probably won't. Are they all like your age? No, they're all much older. Oh, okay, um, and they have children, and they got the children. They got the children. They got the little oh. children that, you know, I'm just going to be spooky Aunt Joe, like, going in and... and spooky uh, Aunt Joe. Exactly. I'm going to get you a t-shirt, I think. Spooky Aunt Joe. Spooky Aunt Joe. <laughs> hmm. It's but like it, a new podcast. You can start your own it's thing. Like, welcome spooky, to Spooky Aunt Joe. Spooky Aunt Joe. Can it have, like, it. Joe from the Facts of Life on it? Sure. <laughs> it can have whatever you want. I'm here to make your dreams come yes. true. And what are you drinking, Joshua? Oh, just a whiskey and cola. Yes, a whiskey yeah. cola. Whiskey cola, that's all. And Joshua is fancy. He drinks that real cane sugar cola. <laughs> you know, not that not that uh, artificial, you know, aspartame cola. Well, whatever. It's all terrible for us. But <laughs> exactly, you know. But, you know, um, I mean, I could sit around and just drink the whiskey straight, but I just feel like that might look sad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready to be there yet. You're not Eventually. Ready. I mean, yes. I will get there. I'll just abandon all... Pretense and I'll all just pretense, drink. all social mores. Yeah, and I'll just drink it right out of the big giant Costco bottle, the big Jack Daniels bottle. Yes, you know? the one I'll that's just plastic and not glass. No, it's glass. Oh, but okay. I'll just sit out on my front porch and like, just like drink plexiglass? directly from it and scream at my neighbors. <laughs> 
You'll be Clint Eastwood and Gran Torino. Get off my lawn. Yeah. Nowhere near your lawn, though. But. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Nobody even coming through. I'm just yelling at the ghosts of the past. Yes. You know, <laughs> in my memories. Hmm. I'm looking forward to that. It'll be fun. I'll feel, uh, you know, it, it, it must be nice to be able to just be unhinged and people just be like, well, he's old. <laughs> yes, it's like it's like well, he's got one foot in the grave, so yeah. you know. It's, yeah. We just let him. We just, just let, let him, him do whatever he yeah. wants. Old man Napier, I'm gonna be that guy. Yes, old man Napier. <laughs> Sorry, that's old man River, but yeah. I changed it. Little showboat. Little showboat. I do know that. You know, old I've got my stage uh, door Johnny's knocking right over here. <laughs> stage stage door Johnny's. Is that what it is, or something? <laughs> What is the damn song? I, She's like, um, life upon the wicked stage. That's it. Life upon the wicked stage. Something. I, I only know Old Man River. I'm oh, not familiar with showboat. Look at that. A showboat, a, a show tune that, that I'm more familiar with than you. I mean, that's all right, though. Showboat's not that exciting. Um, it's, a weird, it's a weird little play. Anyways, or musical. Let's move on from this. Um <laughs> Do you look at my box of Elvira cereal? Elvira, Mistress of the Dark Funkos. That's cute. They're little O's. They're black. Yes. They're not, they're not very tasty. Um, it's kind of more about the little Funko, mini Funko Pop that, that it comes with. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark yeah. Black Isn't that fun? I got Funkos. that. Funkos. Yeah, Funkos, like Cheerios, but they're Funkos. And yeah, I don't really know what to. Um, how to describe the taste of them. I bought two boxes because I did want to eat one, but I wanted to keep one for the collection. Uh, something else for her to sign one day. Yes. Um, you think I could get her to complete the maze on the back? <laughs> <laughs> you might have to pay extra for that. Say, hey, girl, will you just will you do that maze? Will you do this ma- you know uh, what she's going to do? just draw a straight line through Right. That's like, what I would do. i say, sure. There you go. <laughs> uh, it's a multi-grain cereal, though. Is but it gluten-free? Uh, probably not. No, it's full of all kinds of crap. Uh, 140 calories per serving, which is a, a one and a third cup. 40 grams. 40 grams. That's 140 calories. Wow. I don't really care about that kind of thing. I'm just reading from this box. That's more, that's a lot. That, I mean. Yeah, but they're fun. They, uh, Funko is doing a whole series of them. There's like a Beetlejuice one, a Freddy Krueger one. I think that one of them, the Freddy Krueger one, maybe it like, the cereal like either gives changes you color. Yes, it definitely gives you nightmares. The <laughs> amount of sugar that's in this and God knows what else uh, will definitely induce um, sleep paralysis. But uh, <laughs> it's like one of them like bleeds or something. It changes. It turns your milk like a dark red color. Oh, but yeah, they have all kinds and they all come with these little little, little tiny funkos. So good times. Um, just you know sharing that. All right. It's a uh, it's a mini plug. We haven't done plug a palooza in a while. So no, we haven't had anything. I to thought, plug. yeah, I just got this uh, today, and I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. So I thought I would talk about it. Lovely. You have more exciting thing you did today. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. I saw a star is burned. A star is burned. A star is burned. Yes, it's <laughs> the story of Joan of Arc. <laughs> right. Um, I saw a star is born today with the lovely Ashley. Yes, who was just recently on our recently American Mary on our show, episode. American yes. Mary. Yes, yes. We yes, love her. and I figured I'd bring up A Star is Born because today we are, you know, the movie we're talking about references highly in uh, one of the shows that we love. Yes, that's true. Or vice versa. One of the shows we love references this yes, movie. Yes, there highly. we go. Um, yes, because the, the Lady Gaga yes, is there. Yes, the Lady Gaga know. is in it. Um, she actually a lady? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I I don't think she's of any royal nobility or yeah. anything like that. But you know, 
Maybe anyway. it's a statement of fact. Maybe it's like she is a lady and Gaga. Possibly. So. But Lady Gaga. Isn't the her, the Gaga comes from like a queen reference? From Radio Gaga. Okay. Anyways, we're not really here to discuss Lady Gaga necessarily, but this A Star is Born. A Star is Born. And um, it's... A it remake, is, right? It's the fourth remake of the same story. It's the fourth. Well, it's the third remake. It's the fourth in the. It's the fourth film that's basically the same story. What um, and what is? Because I've never so seen the, it. Is the story, it. Everybody keeps talking. It was with Barbara Streisand, right? Well, before that, it was with Judy Garland. Okay, so there was a Judy Garland one, and then before that, there was. Um, it was like in the third. It was. It was something before that as well. Okay. Um, so there was Judy Garland, and then that and was then when that what, was what time Judy frame? Garland and James Mason so in the forties. Uh, that was like the sixties. Sixties or like the fifties or the sixties. Because James Mason. So James Mason. James, hold on. We have Google, Joshua. I, don't know, I know. Well, I mean, I thought you'd have all this speak like speak inaccuracies, Joe. I thought you wouldn't. You know, A be ready. Star is born. Star is burned. Um, so there was the nineteen. Um, the 1937 film was the first film. Okay. Then the 1954, and that's the one with Judy Garland okay. and James Mason. Um, and that's the film that gives us, you know, all because of the man that got away. Okay. You know, you know. Excellent. I don't, I don't know the that. The night is bitter. The stars have lost their glitter. We're going to get sued by the estate of Julie Garland. Um <laughs> And then 1976, that is the one with Chris Christopherson and Barbara Streisand. Oh, okay. This says it was a rock musical. Was, well, is the new one a musical? The new one has, I mean, there's music in it, but it's okay. not like, it's not like it's a musical in the sense that like, I'm now talking. It burst into it song. Burst into okay, song. Okay. Like it's. It's it, about musicians. Yeah. It's okay. about musicians singing songs. It's like okay. The Rose. Good. Well, I enjoy the rose. Yeah, it's it's kind of nobody like should rose. remake the rose, motherfuckers. No, sorry. Go ahead. Um, but yeah, so the, it's the same story written by Dorothy Parker, uh, you know, famed humorist and writer. Yes. And um, the original was, and then the basically the story of A Star Is Born is that you know these these two people meet, and the man is a is a star in decline, and then the woman is a star on the rise, and so one. As they meet, the friction that happens between them, because you know, okay. as one is descending, one is rising, and um, like the supreme, like the supreme, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly like the supreme, you know, okay. glowing, radiant. So, and the hell. guys like tries to like hitch his like star to hers or something. No, it's like she is basically he basically like gives her, gets her to rise, and then as she reaches this level of fame. Then he's like, you know, in decline, and I've never seen, I've not seen any of the other ones. Oh, this okay. is this is gonna be. Oh, I'm gonna get my gay card taken away. Yeah, because um, I'm surprised that you didn't you sign up for that Streisand showing yeah. as soon as you could. Exactly. It's like so Streisand. I'm not familiar Judy, with it. Little Judy. And Judy, not not familiar with either of them. Hmm. Um, but this particular one um, was very good. Directed in his directorial debut by Bradley Cooper. Oh, okay. Um, he cool. also stars in it and Lady Gaga. I mean, there's a bunch of things in it that are just very good. Which do, was she good? How was her acting? She was very good. Yeah. Yeah, she was very good. Like mm. very very good. We'll go her. Oscar worthy. Really? I you mean, really think so. I I mean, let's put it this way. What they're nominating Oscar people for, like, you know, she 
she basically was authentic and real. And okay. I, at least I thought. Very nice. Um, oh, my God. Andrew Dice Clay is in it. Yeah. Which, like, he plays her dad. Yeah. And I was like, is that Andrew Dice Clay? I'm like, yeah, that's fucking Andrew Dice Clay. Huh. Um, yeah. There's a lot of good people in it. Cool. Well, it sounds interesting. I'm also not familiar with any of, like, the... I didn't know what the story was. I mean, I guess in passing, I've definitely heard of it. Yeah. Um, you it's know, your story, with, Joshua. With Streisand. <laughs> is it? Is it my story? <laughs> yeah. Plucked from obscurity. Right. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. So plucked. Definitely plucked from obscurity. <laughs> and um, thrust into obscurity. Yes. <laughs> more obscurity. Yeah, it's like he's now, he's plucked from obscurity and thrust into more obscurity. Yes. Um, it said here that they thought that Clint Eastwood was going to direct with Beyonce. Mm. Wonder what happened to that. Well, you Wonder know. Wonder why that fell through. He probably, after he started, you know, yelling at a chair at the Republican well, National Convention, that Beyonce yeah. was like, sis, no. There you go. Yeah, she probably wanted to. Separate herself from that. Yeah, but <laughs> it makes. It's Although really she could have just put a curse on him. It does isn't she doing witchcraft and stuff? Yeah, I know now? She's, she's like, like she's like a witch with uh, killing kittens. Deep sexual witchcraft, apparently. Yeah, like that's, her. yeah, that's why I hear on her old drummer. I mean, so I love it. Maybe I that's why it. Clint Eastwood got all crazy. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. Because he's, Beyonce he's just was an like, you know, white guy. So Beyonce did that thing that Marie Laveau does when yeah. she kills those cops. She's like, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, 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 yes. yeah. Oh, shut up. <laughs> exactly. That is that. I think that that's what they based that whole scene on. Exactly. It was Beyonce's <laughs> curse on Clint Eastwood. We need to make this rumor happen. It's like Beyonce put actually a curse on Clint Eastwood. <laughs> His mind is in decline because Beyonce put a curse on him. I read that somewhere and I, I was like, wait, what? what is happening? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the world's a crazy place. You never know. You just never know with these people. Yeah. But I would I would encourage you to go see it. All right, but yeah. it's not a horror movie. Nobody gets stabbed in the neck. I mean, eaten. it's a lot of real life horror. Yeah, like there's if you if you have any sort of like traumatic thing going on in your past, where you just be warned now, like the second hour, because it's two hours, like two and a half hours long. Really? Yeah, oh, it's it's a long a lot. one. It's a long one, and I <laughs> I tell you right now that you uh, if you you got some traumatic things in your happening. Yeah. Traumatic things Trigger in your warning. happening. Content Trigger. warning. Hashtag. Content, content, content warning. All right. All right. Yeah. It was, it, was, uh, it, was, it was good, though. It was very good. I feel like you would like it because it's a lot of, like, it's a lot of talking about the music industry yeah. and being a musician and an artist and trying to do what that means. How to balance How that. to balance yeah. it out. How was the music that's in it? It's good. Yeah. I mean, there's... Is it all original stuff for the... Yeah, movie. it's all original. There are some, there are like a couple covers in it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but they're... Um, they need some stuff for the soundtrack, you know. Yeah, there are only a couple. Like uh, Gaga does a full French version of La Vie en Rosa. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I mean... I mean, you know, it's Gaga, so... Yeah, well, no, but it's a French song, so exactly. that makes sense. <laughs> well, yeah. Sorry. Yes, yes, it's a French... I was like, it's a full French version of a French song. Oh, so it's just the regular version yeah, of the song. just the French. I like that. <laughs> But yes, go see go see A Star Is Born. Mm. All right, yeah, go see it. So I was just looking through to see if there was. Um... He, it's like it's interesting because he's like a country singer, but he's like a he's like that new country, that rock 
kind of country where right. it blurs the line between like it's basically like regular rock music but from the 70s which has like you know is that when it's set no it's set in present time oh okay like there's a whole sequence with saturday night live that she does and oh yeah it's really cool drag queens are in it yeah yeah any willem shangela oh, of course willem, willem and shangi are in it they've got they are just... chewing it up hmm. All right. Well, I mean, I don't know. I'll probably see it when it's like edited for TV. No. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> no, you got to see it because there's just there's some good moments in it. But all right. Well, I mean, the the uh, the Sam Squanch was talking about it that he uh, he did want to go see it. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure. Maybe. See the first showing of the day, so that way your entire day is not. Taken I think up we by have it. some. Um, we have some AMC gift cards. Maybe that'd be something. I saw it for, in the know. Dolby Cinema, uh-huh. the reserved seats at Mission Valley. Um, where it's like the Dolby surround sound and like that's an experience because it's just bathing you in this, the sounds and very you know, nice. when Gaga belts the notes, it just feels like, feels like you're there. Yeah. Hmm. They're doing, um, you know, little Sarah Brightman is going to put out a new record hmm. and they're going to have like a one night film kind of thing, I guess, of a concert that she's playing. I wonder if it's playing that same there, you know. Dolby. That would be really nice. That would be really nice, you know. Chase the morning. Yeah. Well, that's not on the thing, but... No, know. but... To I wish she'd do some of the repo, the genetic opera yeah. stuff live, you know. And now we've kind of turned back to horror. Yes, we're back whole, We're back in horror now. What the hell we're talking what about. What else do you got for Plug-A-Palooza, Josh? No, that's it for now. I, uh, you know, just had the little... Elvira thing, and you know, wanted to talk about your uh, your experience at the uh, the Star is Born. My Star is Born. Yes. So, uh, I think this is a good place then to we'll take a little break. Take a little break. Hear from our uh, some friends of ours, friends, and then we'll be back to discuss uh, 1983. Oh. Susan Sarandon, David Bowie, Catherine Deneuve. Vampire flick, The Hunger. The hunger. <laughs> I'm from New Jersey and I'm proud about it. I love the Garden State. Hey, everybody. What's up? I'm here, too. We are the Jersey Ghouls, a horror podcast based out of the Garden State. Join us on Jersey Ghouls for Marissa's scholarly conversations. By the way, if you Google psycho female, you definitely don't get the name of the actress from Psycho. Join us on Jersey Ghouls for Nate's thrilling debate. Why? Why are you so resistant against because it? Because don't, don't you start. Join us on Jersey Ghouls for Jackie's love of 80s slasher movie, Topless Seat. Whoa, Jackie, this is a feminist podcast. I know. I'm a woman. And as a woman, I appreciate a nice set of jugs. Okay, but you shouldn't call them jugs. Hooters? Bazungas? Tatas? Dirty uh, pillows? I, I like boobs, too. Can, can I call them fun bags? No! We're the Jersey Ghouls. You can find us on social media by searching Jersey Ghouls on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also find our blog and podcast on our website, jerseyghouls.com. Ah, there we go. We're back. That was wonderful, the Jersey Ghouls. I'm really looking forward to meeting them very soon. I know, I but know. we haven't... It's we haven't said fun. yet what we're doing. No, we're going to keep not saying yeah, what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. But we are. <laughs> we may or may not be meeting them. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that was cool. I like I like their little ad. You know, bazungas? Is that what she said? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> it was great. 
I was like, dirty pillows. Hooters, dirty pillows. Fun business. bags is my Fun favorite. bags was the, yes, Fun yes, yes. yes. Which is uh, very appropriate for today's uh, <laughs> movie because as we were watching it, you're like, "There's a, what did you say? I said, there's a lot of tit. That's it. There's a lot of tit. There's a lot, a of, lot tit. of tit. Yes, That's what is. this episode is going to be called. There's a lot of tit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there is, uh, you know, it's described as an erotic horror film. Oh, um, could have fooled me, Joshua. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's like it's really not sexy at all. What? Like there's no nudity. No, yeah, there's a lot, like, oh. lot of titties. A little bit of ass. A little, little bit, bit of ass. Little, little, ass. little ass. Little ass. Just a little bit. Yes. David Bowie's little tiny butt. Little tiny butt. <laughs> if that was, I don't know. I really don't it know. It could have been, you know, it could have been some poor twink. I, I feel like he would have been the kind that would have said, no, it's fine. You can feel my butt. It's like, like you I, can feel my butt. You yeah. Can feel my butt. I think he would have been fine with that. Yeah. Uh, but yes, 1983, Roddy films my butt all the time. Right. Oh, I bet. Ah. Um, R.I.P. But. Uh, but we'll get, we can get to that. We can actually have more of a serious discussion a about serious the death of Bowie rather than just in, you know, a butt butt shot. Just <laughs> a butt shot. Uh, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> however. However. <laughs> uh, uh, further which is more. <laughs> further which is more. <laughs> uh, yes, The Hunger, 1983, uh, directed by Tony Scott, brother of Ridley Scott. Um, ah, the yes. late Tony Scott, I should say. Um, and. Scott Catherine Deneuve. Catherine Deneuve. Catherine, Catherine for Deneuve. Catherine for Deneuve. Yes, yes. David Bowie, obviously, we just said that. And Susan Sarandon. Susan Sarandon. Oh, Susan you gotta, Sarandon. You love us. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, are With you her Susan hair, Sarandon? Her lovely hair throughout this movie. Oh, I, just, I know. I love everything. Um, she yeah. was giving, what was she giving? She was giving, uh, let's get physical. She was Yes, <laughs> very. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, totally. where's her headband? Where's her, like, very pronounced, like, vaginal, like, spandex suit, you know, mm. with the very high V? <laughs> well, she was wearing that white T-shirt that, you know, no bra. Exactly. That left yeah. very little to the imagination. Very little to the imagination. And she took it off, and there was nothing left to the imagination. <laughs> exactly. So it's fine. It was all right. Um, so the hunger... It's uh, a vampire movie, obviously. We've is been, it? That's been our thing over the last <laughs> uh, few episodes. But is it really? Right. It, you know, it's another one as we've been, you know, here looking at different types of vampire lore, you know, so it, it, it kind of plays with, um, I mean, I, yes, I, I definitely think it's meant to be a vampire film, but it, it you know, it plays with, you know, some of the, the typical rules. So mm-hmm. let's just, you know, as usual, Joe, you know. Get your thoughts. What did I think? <laughs> what did you think? I don't. St- I still don't know what to think. <laughs> it was really weird. I know. It goes, like, credits go, and you're like, wait, what just happened? What just happened? Yeah. Um, like, yeah, it was. It was definitely was erotic. Yes. Um, but not for your eyes. But not for my eyes. No, <laughs> not for my. Sadly, not. There's not a lot of naked menses. Um, I didn't. Or think, my eyes, I should I, say. I knew that it was something that we had referenced as being like a queer film. Mm-hmm. I just didn't realize how queer the film was. I thought it was going to be like um, uh, like Lost Boys or like Nightmare 2. Where it's a where little s- more subtle. Where it's or... a little subtle or it's hinted at, but it's never like, you know, we didn't have like Catherine Deneuve lightly like flicking Susan Sarandon's tit with her tongue. Like <laughs> That's you true. Know. No, it's very, it's very blatantly. I was like, oh. You know, it's like, oh, I, a like 12-year-old Joe that didn't know better would have probably masturbated to this. <laughs> well, there we go. It's that we've already we've we've started off on a very strong yes, masturbatory has ensured that I will never show this to my family. Right. Ever. Yes. <laughs> um so that 
you know, it's a strong statement, um, Joe. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, yes. but again, you know, again, I, I and I do think that for the time it probably was, quote unquote, you know, shocking, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, nowadays it se- it seems so tame. Well, yeah. I mean, I know? think I, I was I, the whole time we're watching it. I'm placing it in a context of like, wow, this is being this was made at that time, and it yeah. was very like, ooh, it was like, ooh, you know, it's very scandalous. Yeah, and I think that, and that's not much more than what we could have seen at like you know ten o'clock at night on FX, I right? Mean, nowadays, yeah, yeah nowadays, absolutely, yeah, for sure, absolutely. And, but I also think that there's something you know when it, when it comes to like female queer sexuality, and particularly when it's somebody that's like Susan Sarandon or Catherine Deneuve. I mean, they're very beautiful women. Mm-hmm. You know, they're you know they're thin and they're white, and you know they have you know so. I, I think that there's a safety in that kind of sensuality and sexuality in mm-hmm. films like this, that even if like some people might get up in arms overall, it's probably going to be um, more acceptable than if everybody involved had been men. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, especially at that time. Yeah. Especially at that time. Um, and I would even say now, I, I don't know if you could really show like, I, I don't know how success if somebody remade the hunger, well, and I'm not saying they should, actually. Um, I mean, I'm maybe, saying they should. Well, I mean, I would love to see a new adaptation of the book because mm-hmm. it, it is based on a novel um, by uh, Whitley Stryber. Um, and there's been talks that, that he will adapt his own novel and write a new screenplay, and, the, and, and so we'll, we'll see. But if they took that same kind of story and then made everybody men and then tried to put that in, like, a nationwide, like, national-released Mm-hmm. film mm-hmm. i don't know if it would do well mm-hmm. i don't know i mean i'm just not sure if we're that if we're there you know i mean i could see it in art house movies or, or something like that so i'm just i guess my point is i think the sexuality of it i mean the whole film is very sensual and, and you know it's really connecting all of that um like we've talked about in the past, like the seductiveness of the mm-hmm. vampire, very literally, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that she, Miriam, the Blaylock, the the main vampire in it, wants and needs a partner in life. She ties up her sexuality and her, you know, her, her vampirism in that relationship and, yeah. in, and in the sex of it, you yeah. know. So I, I think that that is very important to the movie. But I just don't know if it would work the same way. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. But I, I think it would end up probably more as like a queer art film that you'd go see rather than something that anybody would, you know, want to watch. Yeah. It's just I think lesbianism is still a lot more safe, especially if it's that kind of women. Yeah. Now, if you had two, I don't know, really butch women, in, I don't know. You know what I mean? It yeah. all kind of changes. Like, Well, it, it even was still kind of coded that way as Mask Femme because you have uh, yeah. Susan Sarandon uh-huh. who, you know, had the nature of her career mm-hmm. being at the head of, you know, very... Because yeah. um, you commented that it reminded you of, like, David Bowie's hair, you know? Yeah, David Bowie's hair in this was, like, really... You know, it's his was more put together, mm-hmm. obviously, and then hers, they kind of femmed up by feathering it out. But yeah. it's... They kind of also... They also kind of look the same, mm. which is really interesting. And I think maybe that was intentional to to talk a little bit more about the um, about how her her needs in that way. So, it, and it kind of makes sense. I mean, if you're kind of hard pressed for a you know companion, warm body, you might you you know what you like. You know, you're thousands yeah. of years old. You you kind of know what you're looking for. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, and and she is. You know, she's 
thousands of years old and has, you know, collected lovers across the, you know, millennia. And, you know, maybe she, you know, I think she's had both. She's had men and women. And Mm -hmm. so maybe she kind of goes for people who are androgynous. Because even David Bowie is very pretty, you know, especially in this film. He's, you know, he's like 30 or something. Um, Beautiful. Very interesting casting, too, Mm -hmm. because he does have this... He already, up to that point, has this kind of reputation for his androgyny. So Mm -hmm. it does make sense uh, to have that. But um, And it was also interesting, because I was like, I don't think I've seen David Bowie in act, really, outside of Zoolander. Um, You never saw, like, Labyrinth? I saw Labyrinth. Or The Man Who Fell to Earth. I never saw The Man Who Fell to Earth, but I have seen Labyrinth, Mm -hmm. and so I guess that, I guess those things, uh, really, but, like, it was just interesting, because I just kept thinking, like, wow, this is David Bowie and Susan Sarandon. Yeah, he's very understated in this movie, because, I mean, he's playing a character who, I mean, you know, you see a little bit, and then immediately he starts to age, so, and that's part of the the story, so, you know, listen, if you're listening and you've never seen seen the hunger so why why are you listening right <laughs> because they love us joe because uh, we're entertaining yes we're entertainers <laughs> we are entertainers right that's it just, that's what brings people back it's our it's our charm it's our charm <laughs> it's our and disorganized our charm anyways no but um <laughs> what were we even talking about now? we're talking I'm about totally like, uh, oh, david so bowie so <laughs> yes so androgyny yeah. So Miriam, no, we're talking about Miriam. We're talking about the story. So she is a vampire. And they're kind of like in this in this story, she's like another species. She looks like a human, but she's the only real vampire. And then she is able to, um, this is a, uh, a blood transfusion is what creates vampires. So it's not the bite or the person feeding on her. It's, you know, she puts her blood in their blood, in their bloodstream. Mm. And that's what, like, changes them. And she promises them eternal life and that they'll live forever and be beautiful forever, but that's not the truth. The truth is after, you know, a few hundred years. I th- In the novel, she's shocked at how fast John turns. So David Bowie's character, he only lasts 200 years. And I guess typically they last a lot longer. Mm. So whatever it is about him personally, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't stay as fresh I guess, as no. long as some of her other lovers who may have been. Well, once you remove from the packaging, you know, it's right. never as fresh. Exactly. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm assuming some of them have last five or 600 years or more. You know, there could have been some that even last, you know, a thousand. And then, you know, and I don't know if that's something about her, too. Maybe as she gets older and older, her blood also gets less potent or, mm-hmm. you know, ability to to... to to keep somebody going longer and longer. But so once they reach that point, they kind of hit a wall and they start to rapidly age. So the movie starts where he's, you know, beautiful and young and, you know, 30 year old Bowie. And within, you know, the first 10, 15 minutes of the movie, he starts to completely disintegrate, completely uh, age very rapidly. And then the second cruelty of it, not only has she lied to him and to all her others that they're, that they're going to stay young and, and beautiful and vibrant and all that, all they have to do is kill people and feed on blood. Um, they also, they can't die. So they are immortal, but they're stuck in these like bodies that are just, I mean... Decaying. Decaying, yeah, exactly. That's a good way to, to put it. And then she locks them in a box and then just stacks them on top of all the others. And then moves on to the next. 
person. So it's very, it's a very like cruel story, you know, what, you know, mm-hmm. and, and all from her own like selfishness. So it's just interesting that David Bowie, you know, you go, oh, have you seen this vampire movie with David Bowie? And, and people go, oh, no, you know, and they watch it, but he's not in it for much. And he's completely, you know, unrecognizable for like the majority of his screen time. Yeah. You know, he's covered in makeup. It kind of almost, he looks like the grandfather in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Remember when we watched that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That old guy, it's, it's like he's wearing like a face of a face. Like See, just, I thought he looked more like Emperor Palpatine from the from the prequels of the Star bit, Wars A little bit, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. There was something else that you brought up, too, that he looked like somebody. Hmm. I don't remember what it was. Thought you said something else. I don't know. Maybe I was reading something. But anyways, but you're right. Yeah, he yeah. does. Throw a little, throw a little cloak on him. Throw a little hood on him. He's you know, ready, ready to go. Exactly. Power. Power. Just dark side. Uh, you know. But um. So yeah. So I mean, he's just kind of he's really buried. So it's just a very interesting like use of his like star power. Mm-hmm. You know that he. I don't know. It's just. I don't know. I, I've just always thought that. I always expect that he would have been in it like more, but he's playing this character that kind of leaves the film pretty quickly. Yeah. Did you get the sense that, um, so moving on from him, so they have, so Miriam and him like pose as like a married couple, and for all intents and purposes, you know, they are. They're in this yeah, sort yeah, of relationship, yeah. but they are teaching music to this young girl named Alice, uh, played by, what's her name? Beth. So Alice Kevender, that maybe Miriam was grooming her. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's that's weird. I mean, you know, she's thousands of years old, so you know, every to everybody she ever meets, she's a pedophile. Like, <laughs> you know, just, well, in a way, that I mean, she's all, I a, mean, I don't mean as that. I think that she's waiting for her to age, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that to get to a certain age. But yeah, I think there's a sense of that too. That yeah, you know, and so that kind of feeds into what happens. So once you know, John realizes like this is over, and he comes back to their house. And then Alice comes over, and she's this young... I don't know how old she's supposed to be. Like, what they say? 12 or 13? Yeah, she's, like... A, she's pretty she's, young. She's prepubescent. I thought she was a boy for a while. Um, I thought she was just, like, a... You know, like, this prepubescent boy. But I was like, oh, okay. Her name's Alice. Mm, yeah, I'm not exactly... But, yeah, I definitely got that. I mean, she also has this, like... She... You can tell that she has this affection for Miriam, which, when she returns and John's there as old John... Um, he starts to realize, like, oh, like, Miriam. Yeah, she keeps referring and correcting herself to say Mrs. Blaylock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and it is, yeah, she's kind of coded that way, too, like, you know, because she's kind of, as always happens in these kinds of movies, especially at this time frame, you know, when you're looking in the 70s and the 80s, you know, like a, uh, like a, Tough girl, you know, chewing on her gum and kind of yeah. got an attitude. You know, a little tomboy, re- yeah, tomboy. Yeah, it's just, she's just coded, you know, yeah. in the same way that probably she might be, you know, a butch. Yeah, and you know, have that sort of because I remember being like a young queer kid and and having, you know, crushes on like much older like adults, mm-hmm. you know. So I think that that kind of yeah, very fun home, very ring of keys. Right. Yeah. 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 Yes. So I think there's something you know to that. So when John kills her, Alice, in an effort to regain his youth or some strength, you know, he he kills like her plan, you know. So 
because uh, she moves so quickly then on to Susan Sarandon's character. Cause she can't be alone. Like, there's this whole, you know, it's like the hunger. Like, is it is it about, like, the vampirism and the blood? Yes, but I think it's also, like, this craving of, like, loneliness. Like, the hunger really deals with that, the, real, the practicalities of being a vampire in a way that other movies don't, you know, or other stories, you know, where yeah. it's like you're... Um, that's uh, that's another reason why you know we'll discuss on, on an you know an upcoming episode the the film Byzantium does very similarly where it's mm-hmm. looking at the practical nature like when you live thousands of years like how do you explain your living you know how how do you continue to hide bodies you know because death yeah. would follow you everywhere you go yeah. you know and and rumor you know would spread yeah. so it's kind of dealing with that in a very like that that very interesting concrete way but then also her own like loneliness and need to have a partner you know that you know yeah you know what I'm absolutely. Saying? the yeah. cruelty of vampirism yeah no i totally get that it's you, you know one thing that i feel like they don't talk that's sometimes not explored thoroughly in any type of text or content that has um, immortal characters is like the you know the price of that immortality mm-hmm. you know and and it's interesting cuz like all of the you know the human her human lovers you know the ones who end up you know the mummified like still decaying bodies come yeah. out of their boxes and yeah at the end you know to the, to them the climax exactly their their death is like you know it's a sweet release at that point cuz I mean, who knows how long some of them have been trapped in those boxes and then mm-hmm. everyone they've ever known. And that's the other thing, too, yeah. is that, you know... Well, she's been carrying them around for the millennium, you yeah, know, for exactly. 2,000 years or more. And, you know, with people like that, it's like, well, everyone they've ever known is gone mm-hmm. and all they have is each other. And so, and even then, you know, she enjoys them for a time until she moves on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Yeah, so. Yeah, she's very like she did. She does not want to be alone, you know. So there, so not to excuse like you know some of her behavior and like her cruelty because I I do think that's terrible. Like I mean, I'd want to know. Like I mean, you know, if I was gonna sign up to be immortal, like I'd want to know that it was really truly. Yeah. But then again, like she is, she's sacrificing that. She is lying in order to have someone to be by her side mm-hmm. until they're no longer. You know. Yeah, the cruelest thing is the fact that she just doesn't kill them. Yeah, she and when she can't, she's like, you, "You're, you're, you're stuck." Yeah. Sorry, it's like you're a part of me now. Yeah, it's an eternal living death. Mm-hmm. You know, being stuck in the in the boxes. I, I think they're like coffins in in the movie. I think they're like in the in the novel. I think they're like steel cases or something. She mm. like keeps them in because uh, the the the. The movie is like loosely based on the novel, so they really they change some things, and of course, as always, studio gets involved and wants to make adjustments and yeah, changes sure. because they want to have sequels or things like that, which never materialized yeah. in this because this movie did not do very well. I mean, I think Roger Ebert really hated it. Um, it got a lot of really bad reviews, and I think it earned some of them. I, I like the movie because I think it's very style over substance. It's got a lot of great imagery in it. It's, it's, um, there are moments in it that I think are really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like, again, this idea of like the sleep, you know, the, like 
the deep sleep and trying to explain. And that's always something that um, that uh, Whitley has done in in his novels uh, is try to add these like scientific explanations. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, for like vampires, or he has another book, book The Wolf In, which they're not. Uh, it's not a werewolf book. They're like a a um, an ancestor of real wolves, mm-hmm. but they're like thinking you know, creatures uh, that like hunt. But anyways, it's kind of a little off topic. But trying to examine like immortality as something as connected to sleep, which Mm -hmm. I I think is really fascinating and something that you don't see. And again, like the transfusion of blood, that's, you know, something unique to this movie. So I think it tries to do... um, and and, well, and the idea that it's not forever, that it's not truly immortal. Mm -hmm. You know, I think those are all really interesting... Um, concepts and and again in the novel are really explored a lot better. Mm-hmm. So when they made this into a movie, I just it does become a little style over substance. Yeah, you know, I think that's where the they. I think what lost me is the fact that there was this kind of like science subplot mm-hmm. of of Sarah's work and yeah. her, you know, the anti aging and all of that stuff and the rapid aging. I I feel like that stuff. It was where it lost me because I'm just yeah. like, okay, I don't, I don't care about any of this. Like, yeah. get to, get to the vampirism, or yeah, I think if they would have used it more effectively, like, like as it is in the book, they really go into that. I think it would have been stronger, you know, that that subplot um, because it's really fascinating how it ties in, and that's the whole thing. That's what mm-hmm. like draws Miriam to her is like, oh, she's on the verge of understanding my existence. Yeah. You know, which makes her even more like that's why she starts to try to pull her in even more because she's like somebody who could really explain and truly understand. And she can help her by, you know, giving her the secrets, you know, to eternal life, even though it's, you know, not really. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And that's another reason the movie, it bothers me because it doesn't like stick to its own rules. So, like, throughout the whole movie, you know, the, the, the idea is like Miriam's immortal, the people she changes are not, they will suffer the living death. And then at the end, you know, like all the creatures come out, you know, all her past lovers and they like, you know, she rapidly ages and then like Susan Sarandon is alive at the end and it's very, it's kind of confusing and like Susan has spoken on that, that Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I don't, they wanted to go in a totally different direction and it kind of broke what we set up. Um, And I think it would be a lot more horrifying of a movie if it ended in the, in the way the book is. So when she changes Sarah, Mm -hmm. Sarah like rejects it. Like she kills Tom, her partner, Mm -hmm. And is horrified by it and has no interest in being immortal. And so instead wants to kill herself. But she just ends up, you know, another person in one of Miriam's boxes. And Miriam moves on. And then the epilogue, she's she's sad because she actually, she cares for Sarah more than she's cared for others because I think of that understanding mm-hmm. that, that, that the possibility of, of a deeper um, connection. But she already moves on. And she already has a new lover, a new it's a man, I think. She's with a with another with a man now and our, you know, a new consort, they mm-hmm. they call it. And has moved on. And it's a lot more horrifying that way, because you follow this novel and you really like, you know, feel for Sarah and like you're championing her. And then this <laughs> this horrible thing happens and then she's locked up in a box like the rest. So it's it's a lot more horrifying. And I think yeah. it would have been it would have been a stronger ending, you know. 
Yeah, for it, sure. It'd be, it would definitely have been scarier. I don't, I don't, you know, the ending with all of, in the movie with all the lovers and stuff. It's just, I don't know. It's a little, yeah, <laughs> it's a little muddled. Yeah, it is. It's very muddled and kind of, you know. But again, I wanted to show, I wanted you to see this movie, one, because I do I do think it's a classic. It's a bit of a cult film. Uh, I love the opening with Bella Lugosi's Dead mm-hmm. and, you know, getting Bauhaus to actually come out and, like, film that. Because that movie was, or that song was from, like, 79, and this was made in 83. So, you know, getting them to actually come and, like, perform it, I thought was kind of cool. The great opening sequence. Um Again, there's a lot of beautiful imagery throughout, and I just I kind of wanted you to see it, you know. And also, it's something that because we've been talking, we've sort of um, fallen into examining a lot of things with queer subtext. This mm-hmm. is very obvious. <laughs> yeah, know, very this obviously. Is like, yeah. This is like you know, I mean, it gets listed in LGBT horror film guides all the time, you know, because it's it's very explicitly, you know, has you know a scene, you know, scenes that you know. Yeah, with with lesbianism, yes. le, le, with sapphic, sapphic undertones. Yes, yes. Oh, sapphic overtones. What are you talking about? They're <laughs> sucking on each other's nipples. Like it's, it's like, very obvious. It's under. It's over. It's inside. Right. It's everything. Everywhere. 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 Uh, you know. So I, I think it has a lot of artistic merit. But yeah, as a as a whole, it kind of you know gets a little muddled. Uh, <laughs> but, whole. Um, <laughs> exactly. <Sorry>. See. <laughs> um, I was gonna say though. Um, it ties really nicely into your Gaga mention earlier because clearly Hotel like really rips, you know. Yeah. They or or pays homage, I guess, as uh, Ryan Murphy yeah. would say. I mean, <laughs> it's a, did I rip it off? My Emmys would say otherwise. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, but Joshua, do you have something to say to me? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Ryan Murphy now. <laughs> do you have something to say to me? Yeah, you're a thief. You you stole from the hunger. No, it's it's all right. Uh, because Good. People, I'm leaving now. Right, because maybe people don't know that you know. Mm. So when you like when you saw it and we were sitting there watching, you're like, oh my god, this is just like a hotel. And look at that hat. And look at the thing. And yeah. look at the thing. You know. And it's like, yeah, it's all. They really use the hunger as like the foundation for mm-hmm. um, telling that story with the countess and the cutting and yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Exactly with the uh, and the whole scene where they go out and even the music because because of you know opening with Bella Lugosi's dead and then using she wants revenge is um, I want to tear you apart which mm-hmm. totally rips off Bella the, the Bella Lugosi's dead the the beat of that it has that very similar um, vibe it just yeah really really uh, really plays into you know that homage. <laughs> it does. But I you know, and I like it and again it's kind of the same thing. I'm not really saying they're vampires. You know, they're vampires, but they're you know, that's not exactly but they're more the blood disease kind of thing. Again. Yes. You know? The virus. Yes, the virus. <laughs> um anyways, what what other thoughts came up while you're watching it? Um I, I want it remade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll be on that train. I feel like if it's remade now they could do a better job at explaining or at least having whatever sciencey elements of it. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't take, we have such a better understanding of genetics and mm-hmm. all of that stuff that I feel like that could be something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it could be remade easily. Um, I, I, I already would... know who I would want to play Catherine Deneuve's part. Who? Priyanka Chopra. Oh. I would believe Priyanka Chopra has like this immortal, like, um, as this immortal vampire, vampire. I who, like that. Um, 
Yeah, it would be great. I feel like that would be a really, um, that would be really solid to have like Priya, Priyanka Chopra as this, you know, woman who, uh, who does it. And then, you know, we could, uh, her husband now, Nick Jonas, or her future husband, <laughs> Nick Jonas, we can have him be in it as the David Bowie character or, or whatever. And, but I think Priyanka Chopra would be a very Yeah, good. actually looking at her, I think, yeah, I think she would be, that would be very, uh, very cool casting. Priyanka, you know. thank us when you win the <laughs> when you win the Golden Globe for this, um, or whatever you know, yeah. whatever award. I, I feel like I feel like if anyone could remake it, Netflix could. Um, yeah. I I like the idea of like uh, like having it still be true to like the genders of the characters, but I also think you could make it an all male thing, mm. um, or at least complicate that a little bit more with. Um, yeah, with some gay male people, maybe. I mean, I uh, personally, I, I really, I, I have a lot of love for the original novel. I would love to see if Schreiber could um, update it. Um, him, uh, Striber or Streber, actually. I'm not. Sorry, I'm messing up the name. Now, just call him by his first name, like he's my best friend, Whitley. Mm-hmm. Um, if Whitley were to write the screenplay and mm-hmm. adapt from his own work. Mm-hmm. Th- that is what I would prefer to see, mm-hmm. you know, because the story already, I mean, it has really nice elements, you know, and I think sometimes, I think sometimes the, the, um, the problem of discussing like queer film and queer perspectives is it get, it goes through the male gaze a lot. Yeah. You know, even, you know, so it's like, it's always, Oh, it's, we're talking about queer subtext in the sense that there are gay men in it or that there are queer men in it. So I like that this story, you know, it's about a very powerful woman meeting another very powerful woman, you know, so I kind of, you know, personally, I would like to see mm-hmm. that remain. I could see that, you know, now, I mean, they could certainly keep, you know, because she's, you know, a rather, you know, and she's into androgynous people. Yeah, she's pan. You know, yeah, you could certainly have whoever plays John also still be that kind of pretty, mm-hmm. you know, boy, stable boy kind of thing. Yeah. You know, you could, you could have that um, and, and still have that kind of queerness. Because I think, I think that he does. I think that, you know, David Bowie sort of reads that way. You know, I mean, when they're in the, at the beginning and he's looking at the guy, like they have that connection too, you know, where it's like maybe they would have been a little more mixed if they hadn't separated to kill them. <laughs> yeah. You know, but he's making the arrangements with the guy, mm-hmm. you know, like, all right, come on, we're all going to... And we're going to go, we're going to go fuck. You know, so, I mean, I think that there is some ways to read... We're going to swap. You know, that part of it. But it's it, it's an explicitly LGBT film because, you know, of the, of the lesbian element. And I think that's perfectly fine and acceptable and to leave it at that, you know, yeah. and not have to inject males into it. Is it problematic the way that they portray the les- lesbianism and all? I don't know. I mean, I think... In I'm not th- saying it is. I'm just asking the question. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think we'd have to ask, you know, one of our lesbian one of our friends lesbian maybe friends. To, to speak on it. You know, I don't think that it's like... Again, I don't... I, I think that whole scene, it's not explicit and it's not... I don't think it's gratuitous. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that this is how Miriam operates. It's, a, again, a very sexual film. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of the moments in it are very sexually charged or about that. that it's about relationships. It's about connection. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is just one more tool in her box to... <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe. <laughs> it's one more <laughs> one more accessory one, in her toolkit. Right. Yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah. 
it's just a way to draw someone in and to connect with them, you know, and to get that oxytocin going so that maybe she will love her as she, you know, yeah. she moves very quickly, it, yeah. you know, and any lesbian I know uh, will probably, you know, they, there's that old joke about the U-Haul on the second date. Oh, well, you yeah. know, they just met a couple days later. She's like, I love you. And I want you to love me like I love you. Like, you know, she's, yeah. you know, she's that's, kind of a, that's there's kind some of what, realism. That's what kind of, <laughs> <laughs> that's what no, kind of happens uh, a little bit too, where it's like, you know, mm-hmm. um, she like comes back and it's like, I don't know why I'm here. And I'm like, yeah. girl, you know why you're here? Right, yeah. You're there's at, this intensity. You're here you know? to, you're here to like, you know, you're here to join the island of Lesbos. That's what yes, you're here for. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and then like there. <laughs> the so no, I, I, again, yeah. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily problematic other than like, you know, yes, it's two women. It's a very like sexual scene, and mm-hmm. you know, yes, I'm sure some men watching it probably would find it perfectly uh, acceptable as material, as you were describing earlier. Yes, <laughs> as material, as material, as a as an aid, <laughs> as material. But go ahead, say what you were. Yeah. I, I was going to say that you know, in the the scene where they finally they finally uh, the love scene that they have between them. Um, it also moves very quickly, and it's, yeah. it's kind of a. It kind of reminds me a little bit mm-hmm. of. Um, uh, well, no, I, I can't say that because we haven't talked about it yet. Uh, huh, I won't say what we're saying. Okay, bye. Um, <laughs> I. It. It just happens so fast. Yeah, and it's like before you know, and and that that whole thing where like you can tell that she's completely intoxicated by the feeling, and mm-hmm. it looks like it's all very new and very. And and there's a depth of feeling on her face, and then all of a sudden uh, she's sucking her blood. <laughs> yeah, and then it's like, and now you suck and then me. giving her, yeah, and then giving her the blood, and then and then it's like, oh, and this is happening now, and it's yeah. completely non consensual. Um, I mean, I don't know if it ever was. I mean, it's kind of implied that it was with David Bowie because he was like forever and ever. Um, oh, you mean the transformation? The transformation. Because okay. I don't know what to say about like their sexual encounter about the consent. Mm-hmm. Consensual <laughs> would be the right word there. Mm-hmm. The uh, because if she's a vampire, and that if, if you because Susan Sarandon's character is with a man in the beginning, yeah. there's not you know, it's not as if she's like her partner's a woman, yeah, and then she leaves that woman for Miriam, yeah, you know, for Catherine Deneuve's character. It's not like that, that's what happens in the story. So, again, I don't know if she if she is using some kind of like powers Mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. persuasion to be like, you know, I I don't think, I mean, I think it's there, you know, I I think that it's just, you know, in Sarah, Susan Sarandon's character. I mean, I I can buy her as somebody who's exploring her sexuality and is open to having a sexual experience. Exploring that sexuality. So I'm, I I am curious about the consent of that, but I do agree the consent, you know, the, uh, to vampirism is a different thing, you know? Because, yeah. I mean, you know, if somebody came up to you and was like, hey, I'll make you live forever, but you're going to have to eat other people, uh, what do you think of that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't know where you'd stand on yes or no. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Tune in next time. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I'd imagine most people would probably say no. You know, they don't want to kill people in order to live. But We're already doing that now, Joshua. Well, that is true. Yes. To feed that <laughs> capitalism hunger. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> and we lost everyone again. Yeah, uh, but uh, anyway, so overall, I mean, I, I really enjoy the movie. It's another one. I, I like to put it on. I like the music of it. I like the sound of it, mm-hmm. the visuals. Just of put it, it on in the background. Yeah, it's a nice background. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's a good movie for that. Uh, <laughs> 
at a party, you know? Yeah, just at a party. Yeah. And, People know. are like, wait, what the hell is going on? Uh, who put in this softcore? Like, is this Skinamax? Yes. Is, is this that, real sex is on that, HBO or is whatever? Is Susan Sarandon? <laughs> is that one of the moms from Stepmom? Well, most <laughs> of our friends have seen Rocky Horror Picture yeah. Show, which, you know... Well, true. Yeah, very more very, queer, very sexual uh, stuff in there. Um. <laughs> um, anyways, yes. Any 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 final thoughts on the hunger? I got nothing else. You know, I w- I did want to connect real quick, just so that we kind of you know have. Uh, I think in the time frame that it that that this came out. <laughs> Um, Sorry, the gesture you made, like I thought you were doing a straight line, but then you like angled it. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> it's like what is he doing? I'm teaching. It's, uh, like, no, no. You're, it's like he made the circle from like Mars Attacks. Like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> go, go ahead. No, I think that there's, um, it is interesting to be a film like in 80, set in 83 as you kind of see that rise of... Um, like that new wave of feminism, you know, Mm -hmm. as women kind of became more and more part of the workforce. And, you know, it's another movie about like how women, um, get power, you know, and the ways that, that, that translates, you know, so you have very literal power with like the vampire and then her, you know, she's fighting to get funding and she's like on the verge of this major breakthrough. And I, I think it's interesting, you know, to examine it sort of that way Mm -hmm. too, you know, looking at that kind of new, wave of feminism that hit in the 80s as women broke, you know, through that. Mm-hmm. The first kind of glass ceiling. Obviously, there's a million other problems yeah. and issues, you know, and things that still... We haven't... We didn't talk about the, uh, you know, this this impending doom of the Supreme Court, but, you know, that announcement is out, and, you know, yeah. and, so there's still plenty of conversation. We have a long, long, long way to go um, fighting for, you know, a more egalitarian society for everybody living in it. But I think The Hunger is kind of an interesting film to examine from that perspective, too, you know, to kind of, you know, position it in, in, in within mm-hmm. the 80s of, you know, this time of transformation for women. So I just think it's, um, you know... As some, just to connect, to contextualize it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, for sure. You know, outside of the, the queer factor of it, which was also yeah. becoming a big thing in the 80s. Yeah. So, anyways, that was just a little, little, little tiny note to throw in there at the end. I love your notes. <laughs> well, overall, did you enjoy it? Is it a movie you'd watch again? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Too many titties for you. It's like, I mean, not, you know, I'm not, not going to vilify women's bodies. Uh. I just, it would just not... I know, I'm teasing. It just wasn't linear enough. Yeah, it is very much, it's, it feels like an art m- movie. It is very art, and it's just like, you know, it, there was just so many jump cuts and montages, yeah. and I'm just like, what do you want me to get from this? Yeah. You know, I like a good indie movie, I like a good art movie, but I don't know, it was just... Yeah. I, well, I this was, is trying to be yeah. both. Yeah, yeah, it's trying to be both. I was like, you're really giving me like 28 days later with this monkeys right now in the beginning. And I'm like, right. I had no idea what was going on. And yeah, but yeah, it was. And then like, you know, cutting back and forth. And it was just, I, I don't know. It was, I, it was a good film. I don't need to watch it again. Right. <laughs> but well, if the, I'm here and it's on, I'm not right. going to say, turn that shit off, Joshua. <laughs> Get those tits out of my face. <laughs> Get those nuts away from me. Get her. those tits out of my face. <laughs> oh, Latrice, always good for a laugh. Yeah, I, the monkeys in the beginning, it's kind of cool because it is making that, um, uh, 
the whole movie is like told in that opening, mm -hmm. you know, where because they're testing on this monkey trying to get him to live longer and longer, and then like he has he eats his like partner in order to like live. So it's like you know just this whole the whole viciousness of that mm -hmm. right at the beginning is awesome, but then it becomes sort of more <laughs> romantic and filtered as the you know the movie goes on. Mm -hmm. But uh, one last thing uh, to say, uh, you know, diaphanous just, curtains again. Yes. All those Love like that. I was like, man, I if I grew up in the eighties and I saw all of these like the eighties films that we've seen, I think that the only way to fuck someone is like yeah. on a bed with these like diaphanous with curtains. this like diaphanous curtains. Absolutely. I just love that word. I love it. Um, but the um, director, I did want to say uh, an R.I.P. You know, Tony Scott, who um, Unfortunately, very sadly, like committed suicide in August of 2012. Um, there's a couple different things that they said either. At first, it was that he was taking some medications that may have induced suicidal ideation, and that might have been it. But Ridley Scott, his brother, said later that he actually had um, cancer and they've oh, been wow. fighting it for okay. a long time, and that that may have been why. Um, but either way, uh, he directed, you know, he directed a lot of, he did Top Gun, um, A True Romance, Crimson Tide, uh, Enemy of the State, uh, a movie I really like, Domino. Um, so, you know, I, I, I didn't realize that he did all that, like, after The Hunger, you know. I don't, I, I admit, I don't necessarily follow directors too closely, so I'm often surprised to find out, you know. Yeah, but it's just sure. weird, like, Top Gun and The Hunger. <laughs> it's just kind of a... Top Gun and The Hunger. Yeah, I just, I just thought that was interesting. But I did want to, um, you know, say that that was sad and, you know, RIP. And then, of course, also David Bowie. Um, oh, David Bowie. Yeah. But otherwise, <laughs> to end on, the, on that note, uh, that was that's The Hunger. There we go, the Joe. Hunger. And now you've seen it. And another vampire film down. We've got just a... A little bit more to go in this series, and then and then we'll be moving moving on to new movies. So I like it. All right. Well, thank you as always. Listen, rate, subscribe. Follow us on Tumblr now. We're on Tumblr, Fright School. Tumblr. I have a Tumblr. Yes. Come look at our nudes. Yes, our friend. <laughs> our fr it, it, that's like all people use Tumblr for. I know. I Come swear. look at our nudes. Um, subscribe to our OnlyFans. Right. Uh, <laughs> but our friend Brian has been uh, maintaining that and posting all kinds of cool stuff. So yeah, go to that. The Fright School Tumblr. It's it's really really cool. And so big thanks to Brian for creating that and. Uh, Pumping out some cool content. So, all right, Joe. Well, uh, you have yourself a lovely evening. You as well, Joshua. Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. <laughs> You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 